in a day and age where I think people are a little burnt out on like the singular individual because it becomes like this kind of celebrity or narcissistic experience for some leaders. But almost everything amazing that's ever happened has been on the back of one singular visionary leader. And I say that not because I'm saying that I'm a visionary leader. I hope that I will be. But I believe that God has called all of us to singular visionary leadership. I don't believe there's anything different amongst any of us because the Spirit of God dwells in us. Your obedience from yesterday doesn't mean that you'll get it right today. As Pastor Daniel reminds us in this teaching, some days we're on and other days are a mess where we're making off choices and headed for disaster. No believer starts out their day with the intention to disobey God, but we can grow overly confident. The children of Israel executed God's will perfectly, but not all the time. Without hypervigilance, bad decisions creep in. Now here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Leaving But Not Cleaving. All right, let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Numbers, chapter 10, as we start a brand new series here in the book of Numbers that we're calling Wilderness. So Numbers chapter 10, and we're going to be picking up this series in verse 11. So I've told you this many times before that the way the Bible is inspired, but the numbers and the chapter breaks aren't. That was put in later when they were going to start to reproduce the scriptures. And and actually, you can read about the man who was involved in that. Actually, he did a good portion of it while he was riding on horseback to get to it so that it could be reprinted. And so sometimes the, the breaks come in weird spots. And I think that um, Numbers chapter 10, as we know it, verse 11, is a brand new section. Because now we begin the children of Israel's, their march, they were leaving Sinai and they were supposed to go right into the promised land. But it ends up becoming a 38-year ordeal for them. What should have taken them just a few weeks ends up taking them 38 years, and an entire generation will actually die in the wilderness while they wandered around. So we're calling this series Wilderness because they are legitimately in a wilderness, and spiritually they also find themselves in that wilderness type of season. So I've entitled today's message, uh, Leaving But Not Cleaving. And so for those of you who know the Bible at all, especially the old King James Bible, I like to call him uh, King Jimmy because I'm young and, and I'm just kind of that way. So in the King Jimmy Bible, uh, it says that a man will leave his father and mother and he will cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So classic that uh, when people get married, they're supposed to leave and cleave. So they leave their family and they cleave, become one with their their spouse. And so, but I call this leaving, but not cleaving because we find the children of Israel, they're leaving Sinai, but they're not holding tight to the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, this series is going to be more of a kind of a, a calamity. That's really what it is. There's no better way to describe it. The children of Israel leave Sinai, but they don't stay 
with their hearts joined to the Lord. And there's going to be all sorts of things that are going to go wrong. Now, it's real easy that when we're studying this or reading this or thinking about this, like, oh, yeah, the children of Israel never get it right. But then we take a moment and instead of looking at the speck in the children of Israel's eyes, we look at the plank in our own eyes. And for all of us, we have seasons where we're just really not cleaving to the Lord. We believe, but we're not really following him. And that has all sorts of ramifications for our lives. And so the children of Israel end up being an example of all of us, really, because we all have had these type of experiences. And I'm sure that even this evening, there's many of you right now who are going to see yourselves in these verses. But the beauty is, is that God knows our frames. He knows that we're but dust. He knows that we're sheep prone to wander. And Jesus is the good shepherd who is still out looking for you if you're wandering about. I love that about the Lord, that because we get out outside of the will of God, God doesn't get rid of us, discard us, decide he doesn't like us. God comes and looks for us because God is that way. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Bible is a God who loves so deeply that even when we could get outside of God's will, he comes looking for us. And many of us have experienced being found by the shepherd while we're astray and out there. And it's an amazing attribute of God where people will write us off, but God won't because God doesn't roll that way. So let's pick up Numbers chapter 10, picking up in verse 11. It says this, now it came to pass on the 20th day of the second month in the second year that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony. And the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai on their journeys. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. So you notice immediately we have this time stamp. On the 20th day of the second month in the second year. So we realize that from the book of Exodus about chapter 10... Up until right now, Numbers chapter 10. So you have the rest of the book of Exodus, all the book of Leviticus, and the first part of the book of Numbers. That covers about a year in their life, about 13 months, right? So everything that went on was covered within a short period of time. And now on this day, we find that the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle of the testimony. We find that God's visible presence was amongst his people with a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And we found out in the beginning of Numbers chapter 10 that the children of Israel, every time that cloud moved, they moved. If the cloud stayed, they stayed. And so when it says that the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle of the testimony, remember, we've seen the erection and the consecration of this tabernacle, this mobile worship tent. And so much of the end of the book of Exodus, how it functions in the book of Leviticus, and then the reminder about it all in the beginning of Numbers. We've seen it over and over again. So every time the people would go, they would break down this this tabernacle, and they would bring it, and then whenever the cloud stopped, they would set it up again. It was like the first thing that they did was make sure that the tabernacle, that their ability to worship God in the way God prescribed was there. So we find that the tabernacle was set up there at Sinai, and the cloud 
raises up from it, and it's time for them to move. It continues, and the children of Israel set out from the wilderness of Sinai, verse 12, on their journeys. Then the cloud settled down in the wilderness of Paran. So they started out for the first time according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Now, real briefly, notice that they started out according to the command of the Lord by the hand of Moses. I keep bringing this up, don't I? Every time that we see it's God's command, but Moses is God's instrument for the people. He is functioning as a mediator, as a leader. And it was interesting. I've been thinking a lot about this recently, and I was reading a little bit about it, about the the necessity of leadership. And I was reading this quote by Charles Spurgeon, who said that almost always it's one person's leadership that changes the world. Very fascinating idea that God could use a singular individual in a really profound way. And what's interesting about that, and I think the reason that I'm bringing it up is because we live in a day and age where I think people are a little burnt out on like the singular individual because it becomes like this kind of celebrity or narcissistic experience for some leaders. But almost everything amazing that's ever happened has been on the back of one singular visionary leader. And I say that not because I'm saying that I'm a visionary leader. I hope that I will be but I believe that God has called all of us to singular visionary leadership. I don't believe there's anything different amongst any of us because the spirit of God dwells in us. And we saw that a couple of weeks ago in John's gospel, right? Jesus said, greater things than I will you do because I'm gonna go to my father and send the spirit. And I bring that out because as we're seeing God use Moses, I mean, Moses is not like God at all together. And we're gonna see a lot of that over the series. Moses is gonna have all sorts of issues, you know, Moses made all sorts of mistakes. You know, if you read the book of Exodus, that Moses ended up 40 years in the wilderness because he killed the guy. Definitely the guy you want to follow, right? But each one of us is called to step out with vision and passion as unto the Lord once we have a clear direction from the Lord. But God uses people. God loves to raise up a voice in the wilderness. And I believe that God calls each one of us to be a visionary leader that God can use in powerful ways. So that was just really on my heart. So verse 14, the standard of the camp of the children of Judah set out first according to their armies. Over their armies was Nashon, the son of Abinadab. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Issachar was Nethanel, the son of Zauar. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Zebulun was Eliab, the son of Helon. And the tabernacle was taken down, the sons of Gershon, And the sons of Merari set out carrying the tabernacle. And the standard of the camp of Reuben set out according to their armies. Over their army was Eleazar, the son of Shedeur. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Simeon was Shelomiel, the son of Zerusadai. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Gad was Elisapheth, the son of Deuel. Then the Kohathites set out carrying the holy things their tabernacle would be prepared for their arrival. Verse 22, And the standard of the camp of the children of Ephraim set out according to their armies. Over their army was Elishema, the son of Emehud. Over the army of the tribe of the children of Manasseh were Gamaliel, the son of Pedazur. And over the army of the tribe of the children of Benjamin was Abidon, the son of Gideoni. 
Then the standard of the camp of the children of Dan, the rear guard of all the camps, set out according to their armies. Verse 25, over their army was Ahazir, the son of Amishadai, over the army of the tribe of the children of Asher was Pagiel, the son of Akran, and over the army of the tribe of the children of Naphtali was Ahira, the son of Enon. Thus was the order of march of the children of Israel according to the armies when they began their journeys. Now, if you studied the book of Numbers with us, you realize that we've gone over this a lot of times already, that God gave them the ordering that they were meant to break camp. And what we find here is that the children of Israel actually do everything exactly the way God had instructed them to do it. And as I've always said, that every time we find someone in the Bible doing exactly what God is asking, we're going to make a note of it. Because in this case, they break camp in exactly the proper way that God has asked of them. And if you don't believe me, you can just go back and you can read. We saw all of this in Numbers chapter 1, Numbers chapter 2, once again in Numbers chapter 7. Who are the leaders of the tribes? What are their standards and banners? What's the order? And how are they meant to do it? And they absolutely get it spot on. And that's a good thing, isn't it? It's a good thing to see that the children of Israel learned from what God had asked of them and was following along. But what we are going to find is that your obedience of yesterday does not necessarily imply obedience of today. And that's a challenging reality, isn't it? Like, there's some days where you just get it right on, and there's other days where you're just a total rebel. And we have to make sure that we live lives of what I would call hypervigilance, where we just realize that left up to our own devices, if we're not careful, we can make a lot of soft choices very quickly. And soft choices leads to bad places. That's what I've learned in my life. That oftentimes, it's not just one atrocious decision, although it happens, but it's a few soft choices along the way. And then a soft choice leads to another greater, softer choice. And before you know it, you're like, how did I get here? And so we have to be very, very careful. Because here the children of Israel get it right. Now, of course, I think it's important to note that in these verses, we do have a great plethora of very cool biblical names that you can name your kids. And you guys know, um, we read about Gideoni. He's our favorite Italian Hebrew guy. And so I really like that one. And I was, I was actually talking to Lynn the other day. I'm like, man, if we could have another baby and we had a boy, we're going to name him Gideoni because he's, you can call him cannelloni and ravioli. And it's just beautiful. It just makes me so happy. And it should make you guys happy too. Right? But yeah, he's in verse 24 if you're looking for it. So listen, for those of you who want to have more kids or you're gonna, maybe you're going to adopt a cat or a dog, we have enough uh, buddies and uh, Bowsers and stuff. We've got great names here, names that are not getting enough play. I mean, you think about all the biblical names that are popular. You have names like Daniel and Paul and John and, you know, biblical names, David, right, Adam. But you wonder to yourself, where's all the... Amishadai's today, you know, and where are all the, there's so many of them in here, Elishima, I like that, or Amihud, 
You know, so we need, to, we need to loosen it up with the name thing. But, I mean, good names in here. There's a lot of good names that we, like Akran, that's a great name for a little dude. Because you can call him Ox, Ock. Great. Okay, anyway, you guys are not buying it. Anyway, verse 29. Look at what happens. Now Moses said to Hobab, which is another great name, by the way. Moses said to Hobab, the son of Rauel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, we are setting out for the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to you. Come with us, and we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. And he said to him, I will not go, but I will depart to my own land and to my relatives. And Moses says, please do not leave inasmuch as you know how we are to camp in the wilderness and you can be our eyes. And it shall be if you go with us, indeed it shall be that whatever good the Lord will do to us, the same we will do to you. Now, this is interesting because now we have some of Moses' family matters. We find out that Hobab was Moses' brother-in-law, the son of Ruel, who is also known as Jethro. Now, I know sometimes people say, like, what's up with the different names? And you should know at this point in the Bible that lots of people end up with lots of names. So you have Saul, he became Paul. We have Cephas, he became Peter. You have all the, you know, you have someone like Solomon, who was also given the name Jedediah. You have all these different people. Abram became Abraham. You have Jacob who became Israel. It's very common that people had multiple names. So again, I can give you the name after service and you got multiple names. You can roll with it. And you have aliases now, which is super cool, especially if you get arrested. I'm just kidding. But... But we, we find out here that Moses' brother-in-law's name is Hobab. And so Hobab would have been the brother of Moses' wife. And as they're about to set out from Sinai, we find out that Moses' brother-in-law is here. And Moses invites him to come along. He says, listen, we're setting out to the place where the Lord has promised us land. He said, I will give you the land. Come with us. And we will treat you well, for the Lord has promised good things to Israel. Now, I love this. Because what we learn here is that you're allowed to be with the people of God before you belong to the family of God. Like, it doesn't say here that, Hobab, listen, you need to get saved the exactly right way, and you got to make sure you trust in Yahweh, and if you don't do that, then you can't be here. He's invited along. He's saying, look, if you come with us, God's going to be good to us. We'll be good to you. Now, doesn't that change the way some people look at church? I'm sure for some of you in here, even me saying that's like, oh, really? See, the people of God should bless people because God has blessed us even before they agree with us. And agreeing with us should not be the thing that adjusts our behavior. Because think about it. Before you believed, God was still good to you. God still blessed you, invited you to be there, And for many of us, it took us a long time to come around to that reality. See, the people of God, like Abraham, should treat people proactively in a loving way because we believe in a God who is love. So we should be preemptive in loving people. We should be proactive in loving people. It shouldn't be, we will love you if you believe X, Y, and Z. No, we love you because we serve the God of love. Now, don't get me wrong. When somebody puts their faith and trust in Jesus, then there, there is entry into the family of God. And I'm here to tell you, 
I'm here to tell you that there is a huge difference when you enter the family of God than when you're just one of the neighbors who are hanging around around the table for a long time. But the beauty is, is God, really Moses says to him, listen, God's going to be good to us. If you come along with us, we're going to be good to you. Isn't that beautiful? And don't you think we need more of that in this world? Some theologians call this neighborliness. And they pull the phrase from Jesus, the first commandment is you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then the second commandment is you love your neighbor as yourself. So neighborliness is the ability to say, I'm going to love my neighbor as myself because God loves me. And from a biblical perspective, who's your neighbor? Everybody. Because we are part of the human family, Everybody is our neighbor, and especially for us in the 21st century where we live in a global village and the world has gotten really small, and you could go to another country and, and you can get there in four hours. And you could fly across the globe and you could be there more quickly than someone could have 150 years ago getting from state to state. So as the world has gotten smaller, we realize that everybody is our neighbor. And I love this because I think we need to learn from this, that we can say, listen, come along with us. God is good to us and we'll be good to you. Can you imagine how different people would view the church if we actually grabbed hold of this? I mean church with a big C, church as it exists in the world. If we, as the people of God, tell us, listen, you should just come over, come to church, listen. No, it's okay, you don't believe, listen, God is good to us, we'll be good to you. This will be the safest place you're ever at. And sure, you may not believe what we believe, But you know what? You're welcome to be here, and we're going to bless you, and we're going to be, because God is blessing us, we're going to let you join in the blessings. That's kind of powerful, isn't it? That's a powerful reality. And doesn't it change biblical ideas of evangelism? Doesn't it change that? Where you simply invite people along for the ride. I was listening to a a teacher, and he shared a great story, and I'll I'll share it because it, it, it totally, it got my goat pretty good. He was talking about how he was living in England at the time, and he would go to this shop where he would pay for his uh, paper subscription. This was before they just stick the little envelope in, or you just auto pay and all that stuff. And he would go, and there was a Muslim guy who who ran this who ran this uh, bodega that he would go and pay for his paper. And so sure enough, he got to know this guy. And he said to him, he's like, hey, how's things going? He's like, oh, man, well, I don't know. I got re- to redo my building, but I'm really nervous because there's another, there's another shop right across the way that's just opening. And if I shut my building down, I'm going to lose all my customers. They're going to go over there. And he's just like, oh, man. He's like, well, did you, did you pray and ask God to help you? And this guy was a Muslim. And he said, well, listen, I, I can't pray and ask God to help me because it's, it's if Allah wills. And he said, well, listen, my God answers personal prayer. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, really. He's like, so, he's like, can I, and this guy, this Christian guy, he's like, can I write down this prayer and I want you to pray it every day? Because my God answers personal prayer. And he's like, well, can I pray to him if I don't believe in him? And he's like, sure. Because he believes in you, don't worry about it. It's no problem. And, and he asked this guy, he's like, so what would be the perfect outcome of your situation? And this Muslim guy says, listen, that I could open up another shop within sight distance of this shop and I can refurb my building while I'm working there so I don't lose any customers. Jesus is A visionary leader doesn't have to be someone known around the world famous for some extraordinary feat. That's what Pastor Daniel explained today as he reminded us that we're all called to be visionaries for Jesus. 
Moses had a tough beginning, but followed God's leading. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Every morning, most of us do the same thing. We get up and push the button on the most important appliance in our house, the coffee maker. A hot, steamy cup of coffee magically appears and we get our day started. This month, we want to be a part of that morning ritual. We always like to say thank you to those that choose to support Jesus Israel Radio. This month, for anyone who gives a donation of $25 or more to Jesus Israel Radio, we will send you a Jesus Israel Radio coffee mug. Every morning when you fill up your Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug, you'll remember to pray for us and how important it is to support this ministry. We want to see God do amazing things through Jesus is Real Radio and you can help. Visit JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the partner option to receive your very own Jesus is Real Radio coffee mug. Again, that's all available at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will encourage us to be mindful of people who are not believers, whether they're responsive to the gospel or not. We'll find out why we should keep inviting them along for the ride. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, Wilderness. Until then, may God bless. And Jesus.